your sporting news, reviews and previews. This is the Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to the Sports Desk. You're on Sin and it is great to have your company for this Monday evening. It is the 26th of February. I'm your host Liam Cole and I'm joined alongside Ethan Rigg, Matilda McDermott and welcome back Jack Huggett. Welcome guys. Hello. Thanks you Yes, hello. How was everybody's weekend? It was nice. I don't know how about <laughs> you guys. I was making cocktails all weekend so it was good. Hopefully my mic is working tonight but uh, fingers crossed. Matilda you've got some news for us. I do. So the Matildas are coming back home to play a game against Uzbekistan at Marvel Stadium on Wednesday. I will be attending that game, so I guess uh, next week I'll give you guys the inside of what happened. Uh, this is for the Paris Olympics qualifiers. So, yeah. Jack? Uh, so today, just recently, Sam Pepper is going to the tribunal after his hit uh, in the Adelaide, Port Adelaide uh, sim match, uh, so he'll be facing at least a three-week suspension. Yeah, what did you make of the hit? It was obviously a massive one, uh, made the Irishman Mark Keane concussed. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty late, wasn't it? I think it was pretty shocking. I really hope he gets a four-weeker just because it was in a practice match. I just don't see why on earth you should be doing those sort of tackles. Yeah, and um, it was a showdown. It was pretty fiery. I know it's only match sim, but... Um, they don't like each other, don't they? No, they don't. It's a tale as old as time, and, well, we'll guess we'll see what happens in the next showdown. Absolutely, and continuing on the AFL news, Taron Thomas, North Melbourne forward, has been sacked by the North Melbourne Football Club after several off-field issues whereby the club basically have just had enough and they have sacked him. He originally was suspended for 18 weeks and his contract has been ripped up entirely. Do we think he will play AFL again? I hope not. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, I also don't think so. Okay, short and sharp. I like it. <laughs> um, let's go to the Gold Coast Suns and forward Ben King has signed a two-year contract extension with the Suns to tie him with them at the end of 2026. What did you make of that, guys? I think this is an excellent signing. Like Ben yep. King, aside from injury, he can really light it up and... I mean, the Suns have got a pretty good team. Uh, they've got some good talent there, and I'm excited to see what uh, Hardwick can get out of them. And a lot of pressure as well. It's um, They haven't made finals no. in one single season. Big off-season recruit of Damian Hardwick. There's a lot of expectation on those young guys. And for me, I'm just, I just think Ben's a little bit silly for signing with the Gold Coast Suns. I think he'd... He'd be ruining a missed opportunity going to a big Victorian club on possibly bigger money, and it might be a waste of a career if he's still not playing finals at the end of his new contract. Um, I mean, yeah. maybe you see something in the Gold Coast Suns that we yeah. don't. So, you know, you're signing a multi-year con contract for a reason. So, yeah. Absolutely. And let's go to the Sydney Swans. And midfielder Luke Parker has unfortunately suffered a broken arm during the match sim on last Thursday against the Giants. So, not ideal for Luke. Obviously, tough as nails player. Um, great culture player to have in your team. And luckily, they've recruited guys like Taylor Adams to fill the void. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a sting for Sydney. They've also lost Keller Mills. So their midfield rotations are, are going to be interesting this year. Uh, hopefully Taylor Adams can fill that void. 
but I guess we'll see. Yep, uh, one last AFL news story, and Melbourne Premiership player Angus Brayshaw has re- announced his retirement due to ongoing concussion issues. He played 167 games for Melbourne, drafted at pick three in the 2014 draft, and was one of the best players in the 2021 AFL Grand Final, in my opinion. So that's obviously um, a big blow for Melbourne, who may not have Clayton Oliver in the midfield for round one as well, but I think probably it's a smart decision for Angus's health in general yeah absolutely i'm wishing him all the best in his health um i think it just highlights the need to protect the head in yeah. one game yeah that comes after a class action against the afl from past players over health issues that they've contracted after playing for so long so i guess you know would there need to be some sort of screening beforehand of whether or not they can continue to play or who knows? Yep, a lot of uncertainty. That's for sure. Ethan, you've got some news for us. I do, and it's very recent, comes this morning, and it's that Liverpool beat Chelsea 1-0 in the League Cup final. Virgil van Dijk's winner in extra time, two minutes from time, and it gives Klopp at least one farewell trophy with the Reds, doesn't it? How did they go from a team perspective? Do you think that will give him confidence for the Premier League's title? I think it will for the running. I think it's always important to win these kind of trophies. And I think it's a big blow for Pochettino as well and a big blow mm. for Chelsea. They've got a young squad, a lot of them, playing in their first final. And you always want to get off to a winning start. You don't want to lose your first final. And I hope that it doesn't knock Chelsea's confidence too much. But also, if you are Liverpool, you've got to look at that and go, well, they know how to win. They know how to get mm. the job done in a game where... I don't think either team really played all that well. It's a good sign for them, definitely, for the Premier League title running. Did both teams want to win? Did they have the full uh, strength squads? Relatively. I mean, yep. both teams have injuries at this mm-hmm. time in the season, but they they were both at full strength, and there was a lot of there was a lot of ambition from both sides in the game. Usually, in a cup final, you can get nervous, but. Chelsea actually came the closest in normal time. Cole Palmer had a shot brilliantly saved by Kelleher on the line and that really kept Liverpool in it and it knocked the wind out of Chelsea's sails. You could definitely see it. Yeah, Pochettino hasn't had a great season, that's for sure. Do you think he's under the pump? I think it's really similar to what we were saying last week. I think it's really difficult only a year in to look at guys and go, are they under the pump? Because he's still working with a lot of the players that very much aren't his. He's trying to implement a new system. He's trying to get his ideas across as well as this. They've had a massive injury crisis, Chelsea, this year. I think he needs more time. I think sacking him would be a very rash decision. I don't think it would be the smartest thing to do. And Poch knows what what it's like to coach young players and to have to build something over time. Did it at Southampton and at Tottenham, and I, I still think he's the right guy to take them forward. Was he sacked by PSG or did he leave on his own accord? I'm pretty sure that PSG decided they weren't going to stay with him at the end of his time there. Yeah, Okay. Let's move on to some match sim. So there was nine match sim games during last week. Um, Some of the key takeaways, I think the Saints, I watched the game at Moorabbin, looked solid in defence, restricting the Bombers to just five goals. I think the Bombers looked really ordinary. I'm sure we'll be talking about that during the season. Um, stop grinning, Matilda. Um, 
Yeah, Sam Pepper, as you said, Jack, in a bit of strife, sent straight to the MRO on um, the massive hit on Keane. And then Nat Fife, who rarely plays preseason games, but he played a half, got 20 disposals and eight clearances. So Fremantle and Justin Longmore definitely need him uh, fit and firing if they want to make finals this year. And North Melbourne beat Collingwood, the reigning premiers, which was a huge surprise. Um, and some players are calling it North Ball, the way North played, which is a little bit cringeworthy for a match sim. Um, yeah. <laughs> Collingwood were missing quite a few players. Um, and I'm just a little bit worried about North Melbourne's defence. I think I don't rate Zach Fisher as a defender Yes, he's fast, but I think he butchers the football, to be honest. Any other key takeaways from that match, Sim? Oh, it's very early in yeah. the year, yeah. obviously. Um, I do find North Ball quite cringy. It's a bit of a yeah. mockery of Baz Ball, but um, I don't know. It's it's too early to tell, really. Uh, I don't see North doing that well this year, even with uh, uh, Clarko there. Yeah. McKercher was good. Yeah, he was. And and Sheasel was pretty excellent as well, um, getting quite a lot of the footy. But, again, I think the defence has always been their biggest issue for the last couple of years. And, I mean, they've lost McKay as well now. Um, the question remains how they fill these voids. Absolutely. Let's take a quick short break on the sports deck. Chiron Sin, and next we are talking some basketball. And that was Midnight City by M8. Three and I think it's time that to start speaking about some basketball. Jackie boy. Yeah, so currently we're just past the unofficial halfway mark of the NBA season. Last week was the All-Star weekend. Team East took the honours in the Classic rivalry, and Damian Lillard was the uh, game MVP. Fun fact about the game, it was also the first All-Star game where a team has reached 200 points. But now, fun and games are over, and the season is about to heat up. This is the point in the year where the marathon starts to turn into a sprint. Teams are starting to get desperate to uh, claim wins, to try and clinch a home game, or even a playoff spot. Currently, the standings are starting to solidify, though. In the Eastern Conference, Boston Celtics have been dominant, sorry, leading the Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers by nine wins, who are closely followed by the Milwaukee Bucks, who have had a bit of a tumultuous season, unable to kind of settle with uh, the new signing of Damian Lillard alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo. In the West, it's far closer, though. The Minnesota Timberwolves lead, but the Oklahoma City Thunder, LA Clippers and Denver Nuggets are all within striking distance of the number one seed. It's also been quite an exciting and interesting season. One of the most notable events this uh, year was the introduction of the first ever in-season tournament, which the LA Lakers won after defeating the Indiana Pacers in Las Vegas. It's also been a rough season for coaches. The Brooklyn Nets are sacking coach Jack Vaughan, despite rewarding him with a critical uh, contract extension this time last year. However, the Nets have been pretty shocking this year, going 21 and 33 before the All-Star break and were out of contention for the playoffs. So did they have to pay him out? 
Uh, I think so. Yeah. It's only just come in uh, the last week, and there's been a bit of turmoil across the uh, leadership about his playing style, was the kind of alleged reason why. Uh, centering too much on Aussie star Ben Simmons in their attack, who has suffered from injury and form, and allegedly the playing group weren't really uh, on board with this approach. Uh, yep. And also this season we saw the uh, infamous 28-game losing streak from the Detroit Pistons, which is the equal largest, uh, equal longest, sorry, uh, only the Philadelphia 76ers horror run from 2015 sorry, matched them. Fortunately for the Pistons, after 63 days of failure, they were able to take a win on their last game of 2023 against the Toronto Raptors. What do you think's gone wrong with their season? It's hard to pin down yeah. one reason when you go 28 games. That's uh, a lot of games. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah a little bit. Yeah. a long time. I think there would have been... They had a young squad. They didn't. They've kind of botched their last uh, drafts, um, and I think there was just a really bad mental state for a lot of players in that team. I I don't know how you recover from twenty eight games. Yeah, the motivation losing. would be down in the floor. Thankfully, I think. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully, they've notched a few wins now, but uh, it's been pretty dire for them. Mm. Uh, have you heard the news about Isaiah Thomas heading? possibly heading to the NBL. Is that yeah. somewhat true? I mean, he said he was open to it. However, I think he did follow it up by saying that he'd much rather prefer to stay in the NBA. Yeah. He did respect us. He did say we're absolute hoopers down here, which I'd say is pretty good uh, praise. However, I don't see him coming down here, despite the fact that he hasn't been in... Uh, he hasn't been playing since 2022 after he was let go by the Hornets. So he's just not really playing at no, all. He's just not no uh, just chilling, no club. So <laughs> uh, it takes not playing over here. So mm. oh well, I guess we'll see what happens. Any other basketball talking points you wanted to bring up? I think I'll finish off with the MVP race. Uh, my favourite for the uh, award is Nikola Jokic, sorry, from the Denver Nuggets. Best player last season didn't get the MVP award, which I thought he should have. Uh, he was best player in the playoffs by a mile, carried Denver. Uh, well, didn't carry Denver, but he was absolutely lethal, especially against Miami, who didn't really have an answer for him, and he just dominated. Uh, currently, he's been averaging 26 points, 12 rebounds, and 9 assists a game. A second choice is Shai Gilgius Alexander from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's only becoming better this year, uh, has massively upped his defensive game, he leads the uh, league for steals and deflections, uh, while also averaging 31 points, 6.6 assists, and 5.5 rebounds a game. And my third pick for the award is Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks. He has had some major games this year, some real carry potential, such as his 73-point haul against Atlanta. He averages the most points per game of the league at 34.3, alongside 9.6 assists and 8.8 rebounds. And before I finish off for this segment, I want to give a shout-out to Joel Embed from the 76ers, who has been amazing all year and won the MVP award last year, but is now no longer eligible for the award due to the 65-game requirement as he has missed too many games because of injury, which is quite a sad return. Hopefully he comes back 
towards the end of the year in just in time for playoffs, but we'll see how that goes. Absolutely. Let's move on to F1, Matilda. Yes, so F1 is returning this weekend on Sunday in Bahrain. It's going to be around 2am our time, so if you guys want to stay up and watch it, you know. Just after maths. Just after (laughs) maths. There's a lot going into this season. Um, I think a lot of teams wanting to beat Red Bull and sort of to stop their dominance. Um, We also have some silly season peaks with obviously Lewis Hamilton moving to Ferrari at the end of the year but we also have a new team principal at Haas. His name is Ayo Komatsu and he is taking the reins of the Haas team after they decided not to extend their contract with Gunther which I think a lot of Drive to Survive fans will be disappointed about because he is a favourite on that series. Um, any, Any predictions for this year guys? I mean, it feels a bit cheap to say that Red Bull's going to win, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I think it's fairly safe to say that. And but I do want to give a shout out. Oh, sorry, not a shout out. Uh, more of a criticism of the team I think is going to be the biggest faller, which is yep. saying something. I think Alpine are in yeah. for a shocking year. The yep. car does not look good. They've already had a <laughs> shocking powertrain for too many years, and now mm-hmm. the aero de- uh, department has not caught up either. Will we see McLaren up there again this year or I think so. I think they've kind of got to grips with the Mercedes engine. Yep. Um it's just about their aero. Um obviously Mercedes have made great engines. It's really just on McLaren to fulfill it with a good aero department. Mm-hmm. And will Ferrari will we see Ferrari I think improve, do you think? I think so. I think Hamilton will settle in quite well. And I can see him and Charles Leclerc both having really big years. Yeah, and Fred Vasseur also taking over as well. I think the first year was sort of just a trial year, but now he's sort of settled in. I think maybe they can really improve their strategy. I think that's where they sort of fall throughout the season. Um, Obviously, and reliability issues as well with the car. They sort of falter with that. So hopefully we get to see some teams win other than Red Bull this year. I think Mm -hmm. last season it was a little bit boring towards the end. I think we're all sort of sick of seeing... Red Bull and hearing the Dutch anthem over and over again. I think we've all memorised it by this point. So, yeah, I think hopefully teams have worked hard throughout the year, built a great car, and we can see some more competition this year. Do you think Mercedes might go back up at the top? Because under Lewis Hamilton for a long, long time, they were probably the best. Do you think they'll climb back up? Um, Unsure about Mercedes, actually. I think they're hungry. I think... They want to give Lewis another championship under their name. Um, so, yeah, I think they definitely want to make a better car. And obviously they want drivers, good drivers, to come to their team. So they obviously want to perform better this year so they can fill that spot with a great driver. Yeah, I think so. And I think just touching on what I said before as well, I think he'll want to leave Mercedes in the best way possible before he goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great chat about basketball and F1, and there's plenty more coming up on the sports desk, including a new seg- uh, segment called Unpopular Opinions. Uh- Welcome back, and you are on the sports desk, and I think it is time to speak some cricket. What a banger that was, Heroes by Alesso and Tavolo. And let's begin with the Aussies having a comfortable Victory in the series in the three tests, uh, three T Twenty series, I should say, against the Kiwis, and they beat the Kiwis by twenty-seven runs in a rain-affected 
10-over game at Eden Park. And I just felt like it was a bit of a warm-up to the massive World Cup in June. And they just had to do what they had to do. Uh, the Aussies, way too strong for the Kiwis. And I just feel like they've got a mental edge over New Zealand now. They've beaten them in the 2015 World Cup, 2021 World Cup. And I think the Kiwis had the betterment of the conditions. So they've won three out of the three tosses. And they had the choice and they both lost them all. So I just feel like the Kiwis are probably intimidated by the Aussies now, Ethan. I don't know if it's maybe that New Zealand are intimidated, but I think it's more so that Australia just know how to win. They know how to play so many teams. And New Zealand is one of them when when you know you've got it over another side, you make the most of it and winning kind of becomes second nature to you. And you could see it through a lot of that 2020 series that New Zealand sometimes are a bit hesitant. Even though they, they did win the tosses and they had the better of the conditions, they never really looked convincing. Whereas with Australia, when they got the chance to really push home the advantage, they did. It was a bit of experimentation, especially at the top of the order. Steve Smith played a couple games and then Matt Short batted at number three, who's been dominating in the BBL. They also had Matthew Wade in and out of the team. Usually bats at number seven. Um, I think he'll probably cement his spot by now and I think Tim David as well he's knock 31 not out of 14 balls in that first uh, game which was quite a thriller hitting a four to win off the last ball off Tim Southey's over I thought he probably cemented his spot I think so definitely definitely with Tim David he's safe Matthew Wade there could still be a conversation but I yep. think he's especially in 2020 cricket he's delivered for Australia so many times and you need that experience going into a World Cup in June but the decision to play around with the top of the order to have Steve Smith for two and then Matt Short once the series was settled I think that's also good because there's a real chance that Matt Short could go to the World Cup in June as well with his good domestic form over the summer and I think it's good for Australia to have those problems it's a good headache to have when you've got too many options. Yep, so they played Warner in the first game. He was rested for the last two, which I think is probably a good idea to give Matt Short and Smith a go, see how they go. And then Travis Head, I think he's probably the number one opener, whether they have Warner with him or Matt Short. I think probably Smith probably misses out. What do you reckon? I think if you're Steve Smith, you probably feel a little hard done by to miss out. I mean, a little bit, yeah. I love Travis Head. I think Travis Head's a great cricketer. Um, <laughs> and I think that they will go with Warner and Head at the start. I mean, two left-handers to open the batting. A lot of teams don't really agree with that, but mm. Warner's still got a lot of destruction left in him for one more World Cup. And Travis Head just doesn't really seem to be able to do anything wrong at the moment, does he? In terms of New Zealand, I think Mitch Stanton is a great spinner to have. But Ish Sodi, I think he's really underperforming. He bowls, he can bowl some jaffers, Ethan, but he bowls a lot of drag downs. Yeah, he does. He I, does. I think, I, think, uh, I think Santner should be their frontline spinner for the World Cup and going forward. And obviously, spin is the key in T20 and taking the pace mm. off the ball. But Ish Sodi, it's very much, if it's his day, it's his day and everything goes for him. You and can't if, trust him, Ethan. You can't. He's very inconsistent, but I think he also reflects New Zealand's T20 side in a lot of ways at the moment as well. When it's their day, they can beat anyone in the world and they'll take it up to anyone in the world, but more often than not right now, they seem to just be falling short. 
Yep, let's move on to the England and India third test, Ethan. And India looked like winning the series after bowling England out in the second innings for 145 after the Poms were three for 110 at one stage. You know, if we did the sports desk on Saturdays to talk about England, I'd be in such a good mood. I'd be in such a good mood. England, for the first two days of that test, were in a really good position. Joe Root, 122, not out in the first innings. Incredible knock on that surface. Ollie Robinson, his first test 50. And then they bowled India out for 307 to have an advantage. And then we just fell apart. I don't know what <laughs> happened. I don't know it's... what happened. England just mm. fell apart. Everyone but Zach Crawley, it looked like, forgot how to bat on that surface. And at the moment, India currently are 112 for three at the time of recording. They need 80 runs to win. They do it, don't uh, they? Yeah, they do. At home, they definitely do. <laughs> Even though Jaiswal and Sharma are both out, there's yep. more than enough batting in there for India to have way too much for England. And credit to new Indian wicketkeeper replacing KL Rahul, who's injured at the moment, Jural, who scored a really important 95 and a big partnership with Kuldeep Yadav. He looked really good. He did. For someone for someone who's replacing someone as established as KL Rahul in that team, especially not just as a keeper, but understanding you have to take on the batting responsibility as well, it would be easy to be nervous and to let that occasion get the better of you. Because even though India have all the momentum in the series at the start of the test at 2-1 up. England did well to get to 350, and that can maybe knock you a little bit if it's if it's a first test that you're playing. But he was excellent, and he made a very good 90-odd. With Pope scoring 190 last test match, he hasn't had a big one. Score- I think he's on a pair, Ollie Pope. Only lasted three balls for the test match. That's interesting. And then Root getting out for 11 in the second innings after making a really good 100. And for me, I just don't know why Ollie Robinson is playing. I I was watching him yesterday and he was bowling several front foot no balls. He's bowling 120Ks. He's bowling pass. What do you reckon, Ethan? Australians just have it in for Ollie Robinson. (laughs) I mean, I can kind of understand why. But I think... Definitely for this series, pace off in India for seamers, if you watch any of the IPL or the previous test tours, has been the way. A lot of slow balls and cutters using the pitch is how a lot of people have found success. And he made a very, very handy 50. Without Mm. that 50, England would, I think, already be out of the game. And I see what he brings to the England team. I don't think that bowling front foot no balls is the best way to go about it, but... I see what he brings to this England team and he's delivered with the bat. I just, England need to find a way to get him to gain a couple of yards with the ball and he'd be a, he'd be a real asset to him in Test cricket. Absolutely. Let's quickly just touch on the Marsh Cup final, which ended, and WA are basically domestic kings, again winning the Marsh Cup by five wickets. Way too good for New South Wales, bowling them out for 169. A very poor batting display by the Blues, a lot of cross-bat shots, and uh, they've probably been relying too much on Daniel Hughes and Moses Enriquez for most of the tournament. Uh, Daniel Hughes has been fantastic, especially in this format for a long, long time. Joel Paris picked up four wickets and Hilton Cartwright, 73 not out of 80 balls under pressure. They were five for 110. Uh, still in the game, New South Wales, but he's a superstar, Hilton Cartwright, that's for sure. He's a brilliant player. He had a really good big bash with the Stars as well. And just to touch on that, 
Western Australia are in a really, really good spot with their cricket at the moment. They've got a very, very talented group of not just one-day players, but longer format, first-class test players coming through. And it's something that's kind of been coming for a while. They've always had a pretty strong cricketing mm. like heritage. They've always been able to produce some players that have gone on to play for Australia, that have gone on to do some brilliant things in the world of cricket. But I think right now they just have the right mix. And that was without Mitchell Marsh, Cam Green, Jai Richardson, Lance Morris didn't play. So their depth is fantastic. And they've won the past five domestic trophies available. And they could take out the Sheffield Shield this year, their third place. So definitely a tough battle there. Um, Great cricket chat there. And there's plenty more coming up on the sports desk, including... Some new segments, unpopular opinions, and the great Minute Mondays on scene. Back in you were on the sports desk. That was a wonder war by Oasis. And it is time for some soccer. Ethan. That's right, Liam. And this week, I wanted to bring a real feel-good story. And I know we really talk about the Premier League a lot on here, but... I want to take us to the northeast of Italy, to Bologna, where they currently sit fourth in the Serie A table, which is unbelievable. They are a side which have been mid-table since they were promoted back to the top flight in 2015. And this season, despite losing a key player, one of their top scorers in Marco Arnautovic, who went to Inter, they currently sit fourth, two points ahead of Atalanta, and they play each other in a few weeks in Bergamo in what will be a massive game. But... This is why we love football. This is one of the reasons that makes us love this sport so much, a side which are predominantly mid-table and who have players which can perform if put under the right system, have finally got the right mix, the right energy, the right vibe around the club this year. Thiago Motta's doing a brilliant job and has transformed players like Joshua Zerxi, who's their top scorer this season with 10 goals, and Ricardo Orsolini as well. And they are going to make a serious push to qualify for a major European competition for the first time in 25 years. And if they qualify for the Champions League, it will be the first time in the club's history that they play in either the European Cup or since it's rebranding in the Champions League, which is huge. Absolutely massive for Bologna and is the kind of feel-good underdog story that just reminds you how brilliant a sport football is. Sure is, and... A little bit about Premier League. Man United lost to Fulham 2-1. Uh, another upset. Well, is it an upset these days? I'm not sure. And Liverpool uh, sitting pretty on top again. But it is time for a brand new segment, Unpopular Opinions. Unpopular Opinions on the Sports Desk. All right. So has anyone... Let's... Kick off with you, Matilda. Any unpopular opinions? Um, I've got one. It's about the AFL, and I reckon they should try harder to widen their international audience. I feel like we stick very nationally, and I know they've made attempts to sort of spread the sport worldwide, but I think they should try harder and get more people on board. Okay, from overseas, like yeah. Las Vegas in the NRL? Yeah, sort of something like okay. that. Um, you know, making making more fans internationally. I feel like I feel like a lot of people don't know about our sport other than 
it's hard, they tackle, they don't have, you know, protection and all this sort of stuff. But it's actually a really great sport once you, you know how it works and once you watch it. It's one of those sports that is definitely underrated worldwide and I think more people should be watching AFL. Okay, I think that's fair. I'll kick us off again. I think, let's go to cricket. I think Spencer Johnson will kick out Josh Hazelwood in the World Cup squad team. <laughs> That's a very interesting opinion. <laughs> it's harsh because Josh Hazelwood, he's done nothing wrong, but I just think Spencer Johnson is just amazing. I think it could be time for Spencer Johnson to at least be part of Australia's World Cup squad. Of course. However, if the Aussies really want to make a deep run at the tournament and they want to win... I think looking to experience like Hazelwood, Cummins and Stark should still be the way to go for this cycle. Maybe the next time it comes around, Spencer Johnson should be that front-line seamer, but I'd keep Hazelwood for now. Well, I think Cummins, he can bat, so I think that makes him stay in the squad. And then Mitchell Stark, I don't think you're not going to drop Mitchell Stark. And then you've got the spinners. And then there's just Spencer Johnson and Josh Hazelwood fighting for a spot. I like it. I think it's... Uh, Great for the squad. Uh, Ethan, have you got one? I've got one for the European Championships that are coming up this summer. And my unpopular opinion is heavily biased. And it is that England are going to win Euro 2024. (laughs) Do you know where it is? It's in Germany. Germany, okay. And I I think there's just... England are too strong. We have such a well-balanced squad at the moment. And even the younger players who have come in, like Jude Bellingham, who's really come into his own mm. at Real Madrid, I think this could be another one. I think he'll be the player of the tournament. Well, well, two big oh. calls. Have we got a chicken? Yeah, yeah. I think that one works. <laughs> First go. chicken of 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Someone cut this later on oh, with yeah. them like losing. Like, <laughs> oh, if we get knocked out in the round of 16, it's over for me. Yeah. <laughs> so. To continue on from that, I think... England definitely have a good stake in this. I think France is the other team that's looking threatening. But I agree with your point about young players. Saka, Foden, Bellingham, uh, Watkins we talked about two weeks ago. That's a pretty spicy attacking four. Plus, you've got some old heads in there. You've got Kane. Um, I think their defence sometimes can be a bit shaky. (laughs) Uh, Walker, obviously a great player on the right flank, uh, but... You know, we've often talked about the much maligned Harry Maguire. But this year, I think Harry Maguire has been pretty decent, actually. Okay, that, that's another chicken. <laughs> no, no, his I don't think it is. Not when he plays for England. Harry Maguire has always turned up for England. Yeah, there's something about playing for country. It just reinvigorates him. But even then, in a loss to Fulham this weekend, he did score he a He did score a goal, he but he score. is a defender. So He also did get rinsed for Fulham's winner. <laughs> Uh, Jack, you got one? No, I, I'm i a bit safe, actually. I, <laughs> but actually, I'll give something again on the Champions League format. It's changing next this, this next, next season. season. And I think there's been a lot of um, controversy around it. And I think it's time to give it a chance. I reckon... I know I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a bad face here from Ethan. But you don't know. I, I do agree. It's been classic. And it's had some great upsets. But... We've seen the year of the underdog right now. We've seen Girona, we've seen Bologna, we've seen Leverkusen. I think that there's still a chance for these teams to still excel in this new format. Speaking of format, I don't like how the AFL season has been put out. 
Okay. I'll say that. Round zero? What is it? Does that count as a round? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like I don't like the that format yeah, that we're going um, into this year. It's a lot of football, and I think people will love a lot of football. I think most people would agree with you. Yeah. So it's probably not yeah. unpopular. Yeah, no, no, it's a very popular opinion. <laughs> it's good yeah. to get out there. I think it is time for Minute Mondays. And now the sports capital becomes the quiz capital. It's the sports desk. Minute Mondays. And tonight it is about F1, Matilda, oh, so... Yeah, we all know that. Pressure's so. on you. Oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> right, let's, do, let's do three people. Um, quite happy with that. Let, um, let's start the clock. Where was the first Formula One race held at night? Bahrain. No. no. Dubai, was it? No. No. Singapore. Singapore. <laughs> I'll give it to Jack. Who is the only driver to have won an F1 Grand Prix in a car bearing his own name? Brabham? McLaren? Yes. I'll I'll take that, Bruce McLaren. Which F1 driver has had the most podium finishes? Lewis Hamilton? No. Schumacher? Yes, that is correct, (laughs) Ethan. Who won the F1 championship last season? Max Verstappen? Yes. Who won the F1 championship in 2020? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Max Verstappen. I think Jack for that one. Who was the last Australian to win an F1 championship? Alan Jones. Yes. 1980. And... Did you keep scoring? No, I didn't keep (laughs) scoring. I've got a lot on my I plate. I think um, it was Jack. I think it was Jack. Three? I think it was. Three. I think it was Jack, yeah. Yeah, I, I got two. I think that was a great show and a great Minute Mondays, and that <laughs> just about wraps us up for this edition of the Sports Desk. Plenty more coming up next week. Same time, same place. We'll see you next Woo! time.